It's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. Welcome to Get Mental Podcast. This is yours truly, Cecile Ahrens. Hope you guys are doing okay. I know things are, you know, getting a little tensed out there, it seems, with an election coming up, uh, and I hope we all get through it with grace and compassion. Um, But today, I want to talk about sex. Yes, sex, sex, sex. One of the things that usually don't get talked about a whole lot, or when it does get talked about, it's talked about in a way that is very, I guess, misleading um, and doesn't advance the cause of healthy sexual functioning. Um, I know that doesn't sound very sexy, but uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And also, we're going to touch on what sex can look like after sexual trauma because you know this is a really complicated subject um, and a big subject so I'm just gonna touch um, on the on the highlights the important bits as I see it and since I specialize in trauma I definitely wanted to shed some light on um, how to move through your sexual life if you've been abused or raped or sexually assaulted okay So, you know, um, trauma changes the way we function, okay? Trauma changes the way we view sex, the way we experience sex. Sex can be very triggering when we've been traumatized. Um, It can be incredibly uncomfortable versus it being fun and satisfying. Sex can be very charged, a very stressful event for a lot of people, Um, who've had sexual abuse or sexual trauma. Um, And there are many ways that that can negatively impact uh, one's self-image and self-esteem. And the obvious one is it can negatively impact your relationship and the feeling of closeness and intimacy that you and your partner feel between the two of you. So it's not your fault. That's one of the, um, the big messages I always give people Uh, in my practice and at Get Mental. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to um, get some support for it and some hopefully trauma-informed care so that you can heal and, uh, you know, reframe sex as what it's supposed to be, which is fun, exciting, and um, pleasurable and something that you're doing by choice, okay? So oftentimes when there's sexual trauma, uh, the sexual activity in and of itself can be a a source of re-traumatization, 
because, you know, maybe certain uh, behaviors mimic the abuser's behaviors and, you know, uh, the wires get crossed. And so your brain, you know, if once you're in the, um, in the activation stage, it, it's hard for your brain to discern, you know, if, if you're in the past or if you're in the present, right? The past is still very present and it gets a little blurry for you. So one of the things that you can do if hopefully you're in a safe um, relationship, emotionally safe relationship with whomever it is that you are planning to uh, engage in sexual activity with, hopefully you can tell them a little bit about your history. You don't have to go into detail, but you can um, just give them kind of a heads up that, hey, some of these things might be a little, you know, um, uncomfortable for me or triggering for me, and to be able to negotiate some of your preferences um, and your boundaries because that's really key in reclaiming your power and your sexual uh, power, yeah, is to be able to know what those sexual boundaries are and then to be able to verbalize them and negotiate them. That, can, that is healthy sexual functioning, right? And that can then reframe sex to you, like, that it is a choice, that it is something that you are consenting to and that you, uh, you are empowered to let your partner know that this is what's okay with me and this is what's not okay with me, right? And sexual behavior, you know, um, is very broad. Uh, so we're not gonna get into that because again, you know, that's not what the, uh, the talk is about, but whatever sexual activity you're wanting to engage in, if you've had sexual trauma, it's really important that you have a sense of what those boundaries are, ideally speaking. You know, a lot of times, um, what I see in my office is people, those who haven't had a whole lot of treatment on the sexual trauma, end up actually choosing partners that perpetuate the traumatic experience and perpetuate the negative beliefs that you know one has about themselves because of the trauma and end up choosing partners that are you know basically making them feel like not so good about themselves and again that's not your fault right like that's unfortunately the the trauma cycle until you interrupt it it's not going to change and that's where therapist uh, a trauma-informed therapist can really be um, instrumental in your healing journey I cannot stress that enough, okay? Give yourself the gift of uh, therapy and healing and reframing and reclaiming sex um, once again in your life. So um, one of the things that I also see is hypersexuality, okay? Um, and, uh, you know, again, not, no judgment here. It's just an, uh, a natural outcome unfortunately, of very unnatural events uh, that have taken place. Um, so either I see people with low libido or really passive about their sexual needs and sexual desires uh, or, or really don't even know what they are, 
or hypersexuality, okay? Kind of in general terms, that's kind of what I see. And again, you know, no judgment. It's not like there's something wrong, but it's about understanding, right? Like why, why is it that way for me? And do I want to do something about that? Not just for me, but for the person that I love if you're in a committed relationship, you know, because a lot of times those needs, the needs of the other partner end up not getting met if there's this issue going on, okay? So it just really, there's a lot of complications that can happen to the person and to the person's relationship if you've been sexually traumatized. So, um, you know, I'm sure you know that this is unfortunately very, very common. Um, One in five women, last time I checked the stats, are sexually assaulted. So I don't know what the stats are for other groups, but you know, it's, it's super common and it really is uh, so sad and maddening to me that it's still happening uh, so much, you know, um, given, just given all the, given all the things we know and given all the preventive uh, interventions that we are trying to, that we've tried to implement in society. Um, So that's how complicated uh, this, this subject is. So going back to the impact, okay? So PTSD is one of the obvious impact, uh, depression, anxiety, addictions, substance abuse, um, you know, self-harm, um, the, just a gamut, a gamut of behavioral, emotional, psychological consequences when these things don't get treated Okay, and again, it's not your fault, but you don't have to suffer. You don't have to suffer in this way. And if you are listening and you may, you may not have been sexually uh, assaulted or abused, but you know someone who was or your, maybe your partner is, my advice to you is please hold space for their struggle. Um, it doesn't mean you don't get to have your sexual needs, but, you know, understand that this is a process and sometimes abstinence, not meaning no sexual intercourse is sometimes part of the recovery process, especially when you have somebody who's doing active work on the trauma. The last thing on their mind sometimes is actual sex. And so sometimes we have to take that off the table so that uh, they could concentrate or focus on the healing. Um, the good news is if you're working with a therapist, we work with you or, and we you know, introduce to you new ways of connecting outside of sexual intercourse, okay? Because there's many, many other ways we can be intimate and close and connect with our partners. So again, we want to reframe sex as fun and safe and empowering, okay? So uh, we want to differentiate sex as something you're choosing to do versus somebody making you do it and versus it being kind of an obligation, okay? So a healthy, safe sexual partner is key in your ability, if you've been sexually abused, to function in this way. So that is kind of the first thing we we want to make sure 
uh, you have in your life because it's going to be very, very difficult for you to apply all of these healthy uh, coping tools, so to speak, if you don't have a safe space and a safe person to do that with, okay? So a lot of times in my work with people, you know, sex kind of is the thing that gets saved for the last part of therapy because we have to work on the other things as well. And it's not just about sex, right? It's really what sex symbolizes um, and means to you, you as a person. It's not just the mechanics of sex that we are trying to um, address, although that is a big component of it, especially if some forms of sexual touch and sexual activity is triggering. It really depends on um, the nature of the sexual trauma. Okay, but we work a lot on your core beliefs about yourself, your self-esteem, and your the relational piece. Because a lot of times sexual trauma, like I said, doesn't just affect your relationship with yourself. It also often affects the relationship um, that you're having <clears throat> with an intimate partner or intimate partners if you're in an open uh, relationship, okay? So I just wanna spend a few minutes talking about what healthy, a, sexual, a healthy sexual mindset is versus <clears throat> an abuse mindset, okay? So in healthy sexual, um, in the healthy sexual mindset, again, you, you look at sex as a choice, it's fun, it's pleasurable, um, it's not something that's disempowering to you or stressful. Um, it doesn't make you feel dirty or disgusting or exploited, right? Uh, there's kind of um, an objectivity around it, okay? In sexual abuse mindset, you see sex as stressful, unsafe, uncomfortable, um, you're ambivalent about it sometimes. You uh, don't feel very connected to the activity. A lot of times, you know, <clears throat> especially those with severe sexual trauma, there's a lot of dissociation happening during the sexual act. Um, and they may not even know that that's happening um, or it may have been normalized to you if you're one of those who experienced that. And you just might, you know, be kind of accustomed to thinking that this is, this is just how it's going to be. Well, it, yeah, it can, it can stay that way, but it can also be a whole lot better um, and a lot less stressful and fun for you. Um, once, you know, you're, you're a little bit on the other side of it. And I'm not just saying that as a uh, kind of a blanket, you know, fantasy statement. It really can be your life. Okay, and I'm not gonna sugarcoat it either. It's not like, you know, you go to therapy and all of a sudden you're just healthy and it's a process, like I said, and at best, it's not about perfection, but at best what can happen is you have more awareness about what's happening to your body and more tools to support yourself and to be more present during the sexual activity so that not only for your sake, but also for the person that you care about, that they get to, you know, uh, see you and experience you in the room, right? Like nobody wants to have sexual, uh, a sexual experience with somebody who's 
not in the room, who's somewhere else, you know? Um, so again, back to the sexual abuse mindset. Um, you know, oftentimes it's very triggering. It can mimic uh, previous abuse. It feels unsafe. You feel powerless. You feel exploited, violated, dirty, disgusting, shameful. That's when you know that the sexual abuse is still very present in your life or the impact of it, right? The past is still present oftentimes as Francine Shapiro uh, says. So Francine Shapiro is the one who founded and originated EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, lots of clinical words there. But basically it's one of the most researched evidence-based uh, trauma treatment um, for, used to, we used to think just for PTSD, but really we can use it for so many different issues outside of trauma. So that's what's exciting. Um, and I am EMDR certified. So it's one of the, the, the things I do a lot with folks. Um, so, you know, if you're in California and you saw uh, you saw someone at Transcend Therapy or you saw me, this is one of the things we would try to uh, utilize to help you. And it's a very gentle form of trauma treatment. That's what I love about it. So again, in a healthy mind, sexual mindset, it's a choice. You understand it's a choice. It's empowering to you. It's fun. It's pleasurable. And in an abusive mindset, sorry, in a sexual abuse mindset, it's the opposite of that, right? It's very triggering, stressful, you feel exploited, dirty, and you know, uh, sh uh, disgusted, and you might cry after sex, you might, it might create a lot of confusing feelings for you. And so if you are still having that kind of reaction, it's okay, you know, it's okay at any point in time of the sexual experience to say, hey, can we like, can we not do that? Can we do it this way instead? If you're, again, if you're in a safe relationship, I would, I would uh, recommend that you try that, that you just kind of try to, um, and I, I know this is easier said than done, but just kind of as a, a practical strategy, see if you can just try to say, you know, I'm really not enjoying that. Can we, can we not do that right now? Can we do this instead? You know, but that's going to require you to have a sense of um, uh, courage and a sense of self-knowledge about what you like and what you don't like and a sense of permission that you can have that preference, okay? So those are the things that we talk about in therapy is kind of how to help you get to that place where you feel okay with your sexual preferences and, <clears throat> and negotiating that and finding your voice, you know? I want to talk a little bit about consent, okay? Because this is really key, especially if you've been um, sexually abused. So consent is not a one-time thing. It's not something that you just give verbally or non-verbally at the beginning of the interaction. Consent is something that can change as the sexual activity is evolving. And at any point in time, if you feel uncomfortable, just because you said yes two minutes ago doesn't mean you can't say no now, okay? So you can say no at any point in time. You can say stop 
at any point in time. You can say, I don't like this at any point in time. And hopefully your partner will honor that and, you know, hold space for you and stop. This is why a safe partner is key in your recovery because you're going to have a hard time saying these things if you don't feel safe, right? And then if your partner doesn't honor it, it's going to reinforce all of those negative feelings and cognitions that you were already having. And it could just perpetuate the trauma cycle. So um, I cannot stress that enough, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about consent because that is one of the things that get really blurry for people. Um, And for those of you who are on the receiving end, um, where your partner is saying, I don't want to do this. It doesn't feel good. Can we stop? Can we change it up? Please, please honor that because not doing so is going to create so so much more damage. And I know like it can be such a bummer if you're really kind of in the middle of something really exciting. Maybe you're about to orgasm. I know, but the sex you're not about to not have is a small price to pay if your partner actually ends up uh, feeling disrespected and violated okay that's never okay it's never okay and consent is key especially if your partner has been um, sexually abused or assaulted i cannot stress that enough and for some folks sometimes what happens okay we're gonna go there because this is get mental sometimes what happens is people who've been sexually uh, abused or traumatized want like to mimic being raped okay and a lot of times when people share that with me there's a lot of shame there's a lot of confusion or they feel bad or maybe I did deserve to be abused because why would I like to be raped now or mimic that you know they find it exciting well that doesn't mean you want to be sexually assaulted like literally sexually assaulted you know if you're doing that in the context of kind of an agreed upon situation with you and the person you're having sex with, that's not sexual assault, you know? And it's complicated why you might want that done to you, right? And we're not gonna get super into that today, but you know, a lot of times there's power differential, it could be a part of you that likes, you know, Somebody being dominant, it could, it, there could be a part that likes to mi- mimic the powerlessness, you know, they could be trauma parts or they could be like personality traits, you know, um, a lot of times when someone's really, especially with some of my female clients, if they're really like alpha female, sometimes they, you know, like somebody to be dominant in the bedroom as a way of them kind of balancing their sense of femininity, okay? So this is complicated, but just wanted to quickly address that, that it doesn't mean you literally want to be sexually assaulted, okay? It's never okay. As, as soon as you do not give consent, that is assault, okay? I don't care how skimpy your dress was um, at a bar or what, wherever you are, You know, you may have wanted sexual attention, but I really have never met anybody who was 
asking to be sexually assaulted or raped. Okay, that just, let's just clear the air on that, okay? Um, so, let's go back to therapy. I cannot stress the importance of trauma-informed and trauma-specific therapy for these kinds of issues. This is a specialty area, okay? And it is worth you investing your time, your money, and your energy to do this work, okay? Because the energy you're spending just surviving this, you know, you're, you're already expending, uh, sorry, spending a lot of energy usually dissociating, not feeling, denying, and you're already spending money usually trying to cope with all these symptoms, you know, shopping, uh, abusing substances, food over, you know, whatever it is, uh, exercise. Um, a lot of times there's a lot of body image stuff going on uh, when you've been sexually traumatized. So usually people are already spending a ton of money and time and energy trying to cope with the symptoms. I encourage you to use that time, money, and energy and resources into treatment because that's really what's going to set you free or freer and give you this, you know, this peace and satisfaction in your life, okay? So um, again, a safe sexual partner is key to your recovery. And what happens outside the bedroom affects incredibly affects what happens inside the bedroom, okay? So how we treat each other outside of the bedroom has a tremendous impact on what happens inside the bedroom. So, you know, that's one of the other things that you want to think about if you're a partner who um, is maybe not triggered by sex and your partner has been sexually abused is that, if you may want to really make sure that you're making them feel safe, secure outside of the bedroom throughout the day. And I think this just also generally speaking is good practice, you know, because all of those things you do throughout the day is going to help your partner feel open and safe and calm um, in the bedroom. Okay. There's actually a, a, a recent study um, about gratitude and how gratitude can help sexual desire and sexual connection. So that when, you know, basically in the study, they found that when people are expressing thanks to each other throughout the day, that somehow that, translate, that translates into uh, more satisfying sex um, between the partners, right? And to me, that makes sense because if you're feeling appreciated, if you're feeling seen um, and you're feeling celebrated, which is what gratitude does, right, then it's easier to want to give and perform and be present with your partner sexually. So, um, yeah, you guys should uh, think about that and try that on for size, okay? Just showing more gratitude for each other. And the other thing I want to touch on is agreement on language. This is really key, again, if you've been sexually abused or traumatized, that you want to make sure, if you know this about yourself, <clears throat> to negotiate the words or the language that you don't want to be used, okay? So there's some triggering words depending on the person. 
Um, banging could be one of them, or fuck could be one of them. Um, it could be anything, but whatever, and it doesn't have to make sense to you if you're on the receiving end of that. If your partner is saying, I don't like those words, trust that, okay? If she's she or he or, you know, whatever pronouns apply, um, is saying that really doesn't do it for me and that really actually upsets me, trust that, okay? Because you never really would fully know the, the gravity of the experience of somebody who's been sexually abused and exploited, especially if it was chronic, especially if it was very um, aggressive, and especially if, you know, uh, it was done by people that the person trusted. Um, so just something to really be sensitive about, okay? Again, this is really uh, just kind of broad strokes on a very big and complicated subject, but I hope that I did uh, shed some light on, you know, healthy sexual functioning versus uh, an abuse mindset um, or a sexual abuse mindset. And hopefully you guys feel empowered to uh, reclaim your sexual power and to uh, reframe sex as something fun and pleasurable and exciting and connective and safe. Okay, um, and hopefully if you are on the receiving end of it and you are with somebody or you have loved ones who've been sexually abused, that this will uh, give you a guide as to how to um, support them. You know, if you know that about that person, encourage them to seek help and try not to judge them because this is really a very difficult uh process for a lot of people to to um to work through so again if you're in california consider us transcend therapy ca.com is our website transcend therapy ca.com you can also go to the get mental website the get mental show.com the get mental show.com just for some general information and some merchandise if you want to sports and uh, support our cause in advancing mental health awareness and destigmatizing mental health, that would be greatly appreciated. And if you need to contact um, us, you can do so through the Transcend Therapy uh, website, or you can just email us at transcendtherapy at gmail.com, transcendtherapy at gmail.com. So that's it, you guys. Hopefully this was very helpful. And as always, be well, be gentle, get mental, because we all have issues. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. Oh,